0: Lying down was out of the question, and we were only able to sit by deciding to take turns. There was very little air. The lucky ones who happened to be near a window could see the blossoming countryside roll by. After two days of traveling, we began to be tortured by thirst. Then the heat became unbearable. Free from all social constraint, young people gave way openly to instinct, taking advantage of the darkness to flirt in our midst without caring about anyone else as though they were alone in the world. The rest pretended not to notice anything. We still had a few provisions left, but we never ate enough to satisfy our hunger. To save was our rule, to save up for tomorrow. Tomorrow might be worse. The train stopped at Kuschau, a little town on the Czechoslovak frontier. We realized then that we were not going to stay in Hungary. Our eyes were opened, but too late. The door of the car slid open. A German officer accompanied by a Hungarian lieutenant interpreter came up and introduced himself. From this moment, you come under the authority of the German army. Those of you who still have gold silver or watches in your possession must give them up now anyone who is later found to have kept anything will be shot on the spot secondly anyone who feels ill may go to the hospital car that is all the hungarian lieutenant went among us with a basket and collected the last possessions from those who no longer wished to taste the bitterness of terror There are 80 of you in this wagon, added the German officer. If anyone is missing, you'll all be shot, like dogs. They disappeared. The doors were closed. We were caught in a trap, right up to our necks. The doors were nailed up. The way back was finally cut off. The world was a cattle wagon, hermetically sealed. We had a woman with us named Madame Schechter. She was about 50. Her 10-year-old son was with her, crouched in a corner. Her husband and two eldest sons had been deported with the first transport by mistake. The separation had completely broken her. I knew her well, a quiet woman with tense, burning eyes. She had often been to our house. Her husband, who was a pious man, spent his days and nights in study and it was she who worked to support the family. Madame Schechter had gone out of her mind. On the first day of the journey, she had already begun to moan and to keep asking why she had been separated from her family. As time went on, her cries grew hysterical. On the third night while we slept, some of us sitting one against the other and some standing, a piercing cry split the silence. Fire! I can see a fire! I can see a fire! There was a moment's panic. Who was it who had cried out? It was Madame Schechter. Standing in the middle of the wagon, in the pale light from the windows, she looked like a withered tree in a cornfield. She pointed her arm toward the window, screaming, Look! Look at it! Fire! A terrible fire! Mercy! Oh, that fire! Some of the men pressed up against the bars. There was nothing there only the darkness. The shock of this terrible awakening stayed with us for a long time. We still trembled from it. With every groan of the wheels on the rail, we felt that an abyss was about to open beneath our bodies. Powerless to still our own anguish, we tried to console ourselves. She's mad, poor soul. Someone had put a damp cloth on her brow to calm her, but still her screams went on. Fire! Fire! Her little boy was crying, hanging on to her skirt, trying to take hold of her hands. It's all right, Mommy. There's nothing there. Sit down. This shook me even more than his mother's screams had done. Some women tried to calm her. You'll find your husband and your sons again. In a few days, she continued to scream, breathless, her voice broken by sobs. Jews! Listen to me! I can see a fire! There are huge flames! It is a furnace! It was as though she were possessed by an evil spirit which spoke from the depths of her being. We tried to explain it away, more to calm ourselves and to recover our own breath than to comfort her. She must be very thirsty, poor thing. That's why she keeps talking about a fire devouring her. But it was in vain. Our terror was about to burst the sides of the train. Our nerves were at a breaking point. Our flesh was creeping. It was as though madness were taking possession of us all. We could stand it no longer. Some of the young men forced her to sit down, tied her up, and put a gag in her mouth. Silence again. The little boy sat down by his mother, crying. I had begun to breathe normally again. We could hear the wheels churning out that monotonous rhythm of a train traveling through the night. We could begin to doze, to rest, to dream. An hour or two went by like this. Then another scream took our breath away, The woman had broken loose from her bonds and was crying out more loudly than ever, Look at the fire! Flames! Flames! Everywhere! Once more the young men tied her up and gagged her. They even struck her. People encouraged them. Make her be quiet. She's mad. Shut her up. She's not the only one. She can keep her mouth shut. They struck her several times on the head, blows that might have killed her. Her little boy clung to her. He did not cry out, he did not say a word, he was not even weeping now. An endless night. Toward dawn, Madame Schechter calmed down. Crouched in her corner, her bewildered gaze scouring the emptiness, she could no longer see us. She stayed like that all through the day, dumb, absent, isolated among us. As soon as night fell, she began to scream, There's a fire over there! She would point at a spot in space, always the same one. They were tired of hitting her. The heat, the thirst, the pestilential stench, the suffocating lack of air, these were as nothing compared with these screams which tore us to shreds. A few days more and we should all have started to scream too. But we had reached a station, Those who were next to the windows told us its name, Auschwitz. No one had ever heard that name. The train did not start up again. The afternoon passed slowly. Then the wagon doors slid open. Two men were allowed to get down to fetch water. When they came back, they told us that in exchange for a gold watch, they had discovered that this was the last stop. We would be getting out here. There was a labor camp. Conditions were good. Families would not be split up. Only the young people would go to work in the factories. The old men and invalids would be kept occupied in the fields. The barometer of confidence soared. Here was a sudden release from the terrors of the previous nights. We gave thanks to God. Madame Schechter stayed in her corner, wilted, dumb, Indifferent to the general confidence, her little boy stroked her hand. As dusk fell, darkness gathered inside the wagon. We started to eat our last provisions. At ten in the evening, everyone was looking for a convenient position in which to sleep for a while, and soon we were all asleep. Suddenly, the fire! The furnace! Look! Over there! Waking with a start, we rushed to the window, Yet again we had believed her, if only for a moment. But there was nothing outside save the darkness of night. With shame in our souls, we went back to our places, gnawed by fear in spite of ourselves. As she continued to scream, they began to hit her again, and it was with the greatest difficulty that they silenced her. The man in charge of our wagon called a German officer who was walking about on the platform and asked him if Madame Schechter could be taken to the hospital car. You must be patient, the German replied. She'll be taken there soon. Toward 11 o'clock, the train began to move. We pressed against the windows. The convoy was moving slowly. A quarter of an hour later, it slowed down again. Through the windows, we could see barbed wire. We realized that this must be the camp. We had forgotten the existence of Madame Schechter. Suddenly, we heard terrible screams. Jews, look! Look through the window! Flames, look! And as the train stopped, we saw this time that flames were gushing out of a tall chimney into the black sky. Madame Schechter was silent herself. Once more she had become dumb, indifferent, absent, and had gone back to her corner. We looked at the flames in the darkness. There was an abominable odor floating in the air. Suddenly our doors opened. Some odd-looking characters dressed in striped shirts and black trousers leapt into the wagon, They held electric torches and truncheons. They began to strike out, to right and left, shouting, Everybody get out! Everybody out of the wagon! Quickly! We jumped out. I threw a last glance toward Madame Schechter. Her little boy was holding her hand. In front of us, flames. In the air, that smell of burning flesh. It must have been about midnight we had arrived at Birkenau Reception Center for Auschwitz.